You are listening to episode 269 on University of Adversity. How much better can it get? Instead of when's the other shoe going to drop? Wait, how much better can it get? How much more can I press on the gas pedal and really receive? Ask yourself how much more, oh my God, but it could get even better. Life is going to give you challenges, struggles. It's going to force you to face your fears. Even though these may feel like your worst enemy, in truth, these are actually your greatest allies. My name is Lance Isios. Welcome to the University of Adversity. And we are back. What is happening, everybody? Thank you so much for joining us at University of Adversity. If this is your first time here, I just want to offer a warm welcome to you. If you're a regular listener, welcome back, guys. Appreciate you. If you are brand new, I'd really appreciate it to hit the subscribe button wherever you're listening to it. I promise you won't be disappointed. We got lots of great humans coming on the show and lots of value. So I don't want you to miss that. When you subscribe, it just automatically downloads to the platform that you're at. And if you're watching this on YouTube, subscribe as well. We're trying to build that. So it's much appreciated. Also, you know, if you guys get value from this, I would love to see a five-star review on Apple. Uh, it's really appreciated and I always love people when they screenshot and tag me in it or whatever. It just helps the show grow. It really does. And seeing those reviews, it really, it really helps me know that I'm making impact. And I think I'm going to start reading them. I did them in the beginning and I think it's something I'm going to start doing again is reading the reviews and I want to grow that. Also, as well, if you feel somebody needs this or sometimes there's a golden nugget or a message that you feel that somebody that you're connected to needs to hear, screenshot it, tag, tag on a social media story on Instagram, share it with a friend, whatever you can do. It's always greatly appreciated. And, you know, of course, you guys, we do this to add value to your lives and I just want to continue to do that. So um, I really, really appreciate it with that. And all of the newbies out there, welcome. I can't wait to uh, be with you on this ride. So today's guest, um, her name is Jen Gottlieb. Such an awesome human being with such a great conversation. And I know this won't be our last. <laughs> we, we unpacked her incredible story of, um, she started out in Broadway. We'll talk about her journey through that. Her incredible story of manifestation in her life the right, the wrong ways to do manifestation, how it all works, and how the law of attraction works. I promise you that you will not hear a real life story that has come true. Well, at least I haven't as clear as I've heard today as it happened for Jen. And it really, it, it gives me a lot of hope because a lot of times when this stuff, we hear about it, and a lot of people fail with this stuff. With, with, with manifesting in law of attraction. And there's certain things that you have to do right. And if you don't do them, you will fail. And I promise you that you're going to learn that in this episode on the right things to do. We also get talking about, you know, what, what, what is fear, how to get through it, adversity, all of that stuff, so that you guys can feel empowered to take action in your life. And we talk about some top secrets, what good PR is, why you need PR, and how you, the best way to utilize that and the best way to get PR. It's very interesting for any of you entrepreneurs listening. We all want to grow. We all want to get out there. We all want to be a figure of authority. We want to build trust. We want to build, um, we want to be the go-to person in this space out there, whatever you're doing. And um, I think this will be very useful. Um, Jen, let me give a little bit of background about her. So she's, after 14 seasons, she was running as a co-host in the VH1 and starring role in the Broadway National Tour. Jen was the, she co-founded Super Connected Media, which is a full service PR agency, which was recently awarded Best New Agency in 2019 at the Bulldog Awards. She is also the co-creator and the host of Unfair Advantage Live, the world's premier publicity event connecting entrepreneurs in the media. And this is really interesting because she talks specifically about how this was affected during COVID and during Corona and how she was adapting and how they really took lemons and made lemonade from this. And, and you'll see how that panned out. It's really, really inspiring. Jen's ultimate passion is helping experts and entrepreneurs gain the confidence and knowledge 
to get into the mainstream media or on stage of that major event, giving them the authority and social proof to place them at the top of their industry. Jen has been featured in Forbes, Business Insider, Shape, Women's Health, Well and Good, CBS, Good Morning America, PBS, and in Goop as one of the top 11 professionals helping people find satisfying careers and helping them take off. So as said, we, this was a great conversation and I highly suggest um, you guys check out her um, Instagram, follow her. Um, like I said, she's doing great things and anybody that is wanting to grow their business or um, get media or any of that, this is the episode to listen to. There's also going to be, um, it's called the join. It's called the Beyond TV Bootcamp, which we talk about. Which I'm gonna join as well. So I like to see all of you guys join. All that stuff is in the show notes. All the information and for you to find out. But let's get into the episode. We can worry about all that stuff and where to go to next after. But I promise you, you're going to love this episode. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome Jen Gottlieb. Here we are. Jen, we made it happen. How are you doing today? Thanks for coming on. Made the show. it. So excited <laughs> to be here, Lance. Thank you. <laughs> Looking at your background in New York City. It's beautiful. How's, uh, how's everything been for you? First of all, you know, kind of getting into where we are in the world, this craziness that has happened. And it's, it's you know, talked to so many different people and it's impacted people in so many different ways in their business, in their life. I guess just to kick it all off. How has the last six, seven months, eight months, however it's been, I can't even remember now, how has it been for you in your life and how has it been in your business and how have you had to pivot with all this stuff? Mm, This has been an unbelievably transformative time on every single level. Uh, so one of my favorite quotes of all time is, is sometimes this shit has to happen for the shift to happen. And that's been a through line of my entire life. And, and the moment that shit hit the fan with coronavirus, and it really came out of nowhere for us. We didn't expect any of this. Sorry, there's my dog. She likes to hang out with Perfect. me. Do any kind of recordings. She needs to make sure she's on my lap. Uh, and we, so I don't know if you know much. I'll start with business and then I'll talk about my personal life. Uh, our company was the majority of our revenue. You know, we have our PR agency and then we had live events. We did yeah. an amazing event called Unfair Advantage Live in New York City. Uh, and yeah. we connect entrepreneurs to the media and we had an event coming up. The majority of our revenue came from these events, live events. So as you know, no more live events could happen. So we really had to make a massive pivot in our business. And it was really, really necessary for us to make a pivot even without change like without um without for like we needed to make something else happen for our business other than the live events anyway and we felt that in our soul we just didn't know which way to go and this kind of forced us to figure it out and i think this the coronavirus quarantine all of this helped a lot of people kind of force them sometimes we know what we have to do but we don't take action until we really are like pushed up against the wall and uh, because we were pushed up against the wall we're like all right we got to do this we got to figure out how we're going to pivot and um we we decided to do a whole new model of um events i guess you would call them and, and we did a, a challenge we did a be on tv challenge uh where we taught people how to get on tv in five days and we've never done a challenge before and we didn't know if we were going to like it we didn't know if it was going to work we didn't even know what we were going to sell we were just like doing this challenge we're like let's just see how it goes kind of throwing spaghetti at the wall mm-hmm. and what happened was was magic and it, it was really like oh my god shit has to happen for the shift to happen because once we did that challenge we were like this is amazing. It was so powerful. It was so fulfilling for us. It was like the perfect, the perfect thing for Chris, my partner and I, uh, to do with our personalities and the way that we like to teach and the way that we like to show up. We're like, this is even better than live events. We're able to connect deeper. We're able to, you know, do it, uh, go in even further and do it over five days and not have to have all of the stresses of a live event, but have a similar transformation. So we ended up then during that challenge in the middle of it, creating a back end program because the people in the challenge wanted something else. I'm like, okay, I guess same thing. I guess our back is against the wall. We're forced to create a new program and we created a new program. And this has been an unbelievably lucrative 
new arm of our business now. It, it turned into the Beyond TV Bootcamp and we now have the BC and Accelerator, an entire new portion where we no longer have to do live events. And it's been unbelievably successful for us. And this would not have happened if, if coronavirus didn't happen. Of course, coronavirus was a terrible thing that happened. But I think a lot of people in business had an opportunity to make huge shifts and transformations and we did. Mm, so true. And there's a lot of beauty in the darkness sometimes that people that we have to face, right? And, and a lot of times, although, yeah, it's been a crazy time, but it's really allowed people to reinvent themselves and to see what they're made of. And a lot of people crumbled. That's just reality, right? Yeah. And, but a lot of people adapted. And I've loved to hear the different stories. But also, you know, you guys had made impact in people's lives. And that's the beauty of, of when you've done something and you've added a lot of value. It doesn't matter if you change ways. Like people still want more of what you have, right? Like it's people, when you, when you earn that trust with people, it's like no matter what direction you go, people still want to be a part of that, right? So yeah. did you ever, because I mean, it's hard for me to imagine for what you guys were doing that you ever felt like you wouldn't have people wanting to work with you anyways, right? But obviously there's that still the fear a little bit, right? I have that fear every day, Lance. Yeah. I never, yeah. I, every single day I have the fear. Yeah. Um, I have that imposter syndrome. Like, why do people even like me? Why would people even want to work with me? Why do people even want to listen to me? Uh, I think totally. as a human being, I mean, I used to, I was on VH1 for 14 seasons on a show where I interviewed rock stars. And these were the biggest rock stars in the entire world. Like, we're talking Slash, Sammy Hagar, Marilyn Manson, like these big guys that we look at that we're like, oh my God, they must be the most confident people ever. And they would come on this show and they would have such master imposter, massive imposter syndrome. And they would be so nervous. Like, was I good enough? How was it? Was it okay? Was I good? Like, I was so nervous to be here. So it was just proof to me that every human being on the planet is faced with fear, with imposter syndrome, yes. with, with moments of not believing in yourself. And ironically, the majority of the people that we work with are people that are the greatest in the world at what they do, right? Mm -hmm. Like massive experts that are transforming people's lives in such a big way, but they have this debilitating fear of showing up. And that's why we're, our tagline at Super Connector Media is PR done differently. Because the differently part, the thing that we do differently is we focus on the mindset piece, on getting past mm -hmm. that fear and getting past that imposter syndrome and remembering that, you know, it's not about you. It's about the people that you help. It's about the, pe the person on the other side of the television, the person on the other side of the Facebook flag, the person on the other side of the, the article that you wrote that's reading it. And that when you, when you refocus and you remember, oh my God, it's my responsibility with the stuff that I know to get over my fears and show up and be visible for these people so that I can help them because I've been given these gifts to be able to help them. So it's not about me. You know, I got to get over myself and show up every single day. And that's always my reminder whenever that fear comes into play. Because yes, like you said, we have people that, that love us and that will follow us. But I don't necessarily believe that every day. Yeah. I have to work really, really hard at my mindset um, every day to remember that and to continue to serve the way that I do. I, I'm so glad you brought it up. It's so true. And especially in, in even in podcast world, like, and I've really realized we put these people on pedestals, like these big names. And sometimes why are they talking to me? Like, how am, how am I worthy to talk to them? And when you realize that we're all just human beings, we're all just, some are further along. Some are really good at, at hiding how they feel, at putting on this facade. But when you break down all the accolades and the achievements, we're all just human beings, you know, and we're at different levels. And I'm so glad you brought that up because it is crazy because these big names of these people, you think that they have it all figured out. We assume that they are, oh yeah, you're here, you're there, but they're scared too. They're a scared little boy or scared little girl about certain things. And that's what I've really realized as well as the humanness of, of connecting with people and realizing that we're so similar that way. And I don't yeah. think that ever goes away, but no. we have to show up and we have to figure out what is it that's kind of holding you back from doing that? Because you're right. It's the person, the other side is that you're robbing them of your gifts because of our own fears. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. I mean, well, what I say all the time, I have to remind myself, like everybody poops, everybody yeah. poops. 
we're all humans. We all put our pants on in the morning. Yes. We all have insecurities. We're all nervous. You know, we deal with media. And a lot of entrepreneurs think that media are so scary, right? And they're on this pedestal and they're, so, oh my God, like I'm petrified to talk to them. And we bring them on or, or I have conversations with them one-on-one and they, they have just all the same fears that we do. They even say to me, oh my God, Jen, I'm so scared to talk to your community because they're so amazing. And I'm nervous to talk to them. I'm like, are you kidding? They're petrified to talk to you. So when we can remember that everybody's a human, people are people are people are people, mm. then it really, it, it takes that edge off. We're all at the end of the day struggling with yeah. similar things. And we're all not struggling with similar things. We all, you know what I mean? Like everybody has incredible things going on in their life, scary things going on in their life. We're all humans. So when you can remember that, it takes the edge off, takes the fear out of it a little bit. Totally. What do you see as being the, the biggest thing that comes up with people? Like these, these people you're working with, these entrepreneurs, these highly successful people, what is the most common thing that surfaces that you're like, wow, this is just the same. I'm just noticing this everywhere. Yeah. Well, fear shows up in a couple of different ways and it's really sneaky. Fear is a sneaky bitch. Okay. He likes to come in and convince us that it's one problem, but it's really just fear. And the top ways that I would say that the fear comes in and like kind of keeps us stuck. Uh, number one is perfectionism and having to have everything ready and perfect. So the first thing that I hear people say when I'm like, Oh, you should be in the media or you should just be getting yourself out there. Oh, my website's not ready yet. My, my funnel's not perfect. I need to lose 10 pounds. It's not perfect. It's not ready. So what perfectionism really is, is fear because fear's job is to keep us exactly the same, right? Because as long as we're exactly the same, there's not going to be a tiger or a lion, right? From chasing after us, which like, that's how our brains are programmed from when we were initially created as humans on this planet, right? So as long as we're staying the same, we, we feel comfortable, then, you know, nothing's going to chase us and kill us and whatever. So fear comes in and says, no, you're not going to take any action until it's perfect. And guess what? It's never going to be perfect. So you're never going to take any action. So perfectionism is the number one thing. And so we always say like, just do it. It doesn't have to be perfect, especially today, especially yeah. people do not like watching perfect. They don't relate to perfect because nobody's perfect. I don't want to look at somebody whose life is completely perfect because mine isn't. And so I'm not going to relate to them and I'm going to be like, oh, fuck off. I'm not, yeah. sorry if I get girls in your podcast. Oh, but I swear. Yeah, please. Yeah. I don't even get that. Like yeah. I can't relate to that. And, and so if you realize that perfectionism and having to have it all ready and all together before you take action is just fear saying, Hey, don't take action. Yeah. You know, then just do it messy, do it imperfectly, do it anyway. It doesn't matter. And then the second one always is imposter syndrome and feeling like you're not good enough or you don't have the accolades or you aren't as good as somebody else, right? Or, you know, who are you to be talking about this topic um, or who are you to be interviewing that person? And it's that little voice in the back of your head. And imposter I still deal with that every day. I still deal yeah. with it. Even though I'm like, why do I still deal with that? <laughs> like, it's ridiculous. Yeah. I, I hate to say it, Lance, but I feel like imposter syndrome is a forever thing because every famous yeah. person I've ever talked to has it. So what we do, and the way that I like to get over fear, I have two things that I do, and I'll share it with you and your listeners because I think it's super, super powerful because I have it every day too, and I got to do the things to yeah. make it easier for myself to move forward even when fear comes because fear is going to come no matter what. It's going to come in the way of perfectionism, imposter syndrome, comparisitis, right? Um, that's a big one, comparing yourself to other people and not taking action because they have it going on better than you. So I talk to fear like it's my buddy because fear is going to be there. Fear is not something that you can get rid of. It's going to be there and it's a good thing. We like fear, fear, right? Because when we can bust through fear, we become more confident or when we can feel the fear and do it anyway, we create more confidence each time and that's how we grow. So I'm like, hey, fear, what's up? I see you. I get it. I acknowledge it. My perfectionism, my imposter syndrome is coming in. That means there's fear. Hi, and then I put fear in the passenger seat of the car. So I envision I'm in a car, fear is next to me, it's there, it's in the passenger seat. And I just say, fear, you are here, you're along for the ride, you can come along, but I am driving. And you cannot touch the radio, and you cannot touch the steering wheel, you can just be there and come along for the ride and that's it. And then when I put fear in the passenger seat, it kind of makes me feel like, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do this with fear there. It's going to be scary and it's going to suck. But when I get on the other side and I do it with fear there anyway, I'm going to be like, F you fear, ha ha, I did it. And I'm going to feel like any other time that I'm scared, 
I know that I can do this and that's going to make me more confident and there's going to be growth on the other side. So that's one of the powerful ways that I get rid of that fear of being seen and being visible and just go do it anyway. Yeah. Acknowledging it and not fighting it is key. Yes. Like that allowing it. I mean, it's essentially your ego just trying to keep you safe. Right. And, and you're, it's so good because I do that too. It's like, thank you. Thank you. You're, you're keeping me safe. I appreciate you, but you can just chill. So it's, it's all good. I got this right. I got this. That is the, that is just so interesting how us humans work too, because, and in certain days it won't be as present. And in certain days you got to do more, you got to do more to get past that. So how do you prime yourself up? Like, say you got a huge thing and you're like, oh shit, like, I got to do this. I got to talk to this person. I need to be dialed in, you know, and maybe like just telling yourself is, isn't going to be enough. Like how do you get like primed up? So you're just like, boom, I got this. Yeah. I have to change my physical state. I absolutely have to do that. So I, I was a performer for years and years and years. I did Broadway and TV and everything. And believe you me, I would do 10 shows a week and I still got nervous before every single show, every show. So no matter what, and I still do this, I did it before this interview. Whenever I go do something on camera or on stage or something where I'm nervous to do it, I have to do a dance party. Now, that might be different for everybody. Yes. You might not want to do a dance party. Awesome. But I turn on music because nothing can change your state faster than music. Yeah. Nothing. If you turn on a song that fires you up, I promise you, you will not be able to be nervous in that moment. You're just going to be jamming out to the song because it changes your state. It relaxes you. It puts you in a good mood. We start all of our calls for our programs with dance parties, no matter what. Every Zoom call starts with a dance party. It just gets you relaxed. It gets you in your, in your body and out of your head, right? And pumped. So that is like my number one. If I can't do anything else, I put on a song that pumps me up and I dance around the damn living room or even just if I'm even in public, like I don't really care. Like I'll put on my headphones and I'll just like dance it out and go for a walk or go for a little jog. And no matter what, that always gets me into peak state where I can just crush it and not be worried. Yeah. I, um, I learned a lot of that as well. And Tony Robbins, I, at Unleash the Power Within. Yes, he talks all about that. What a state. beast he is. Like, I just, I watched that guy and I'm like, how does this guy do this? How is this even possible? And it just re it makes you realize, you're like, how you, what peak state means when you see that and what you need to do to get there. And it's so true because like, there's a lot of things we got to do to change our physiology to get to the state. And we always know when we haven't done enough, you know, when you kind of, there's days where I'm like, oh, I could have done more to get up for it, you know, yeah. but we know there's like the perfect time, you know, even like the cold shower, you know, the dance party, the, the, the doing the things and you're like, I'm dialed in like the breath work, the meditation, whatever it is. It's like, yeah. And it, it really helps. And it's almost like if you know, you didn't do the thing that you know works, the fear almost wants to mess with you a little bit more. It's like, you know, you could have done better, but you didn't. <laughs> it's kind and of fun. sometimes you just, for some reason, don't do the thing that works. Yeah. Right? We all have that moment where we're doing the thing that works. We're doing the thing that works. Like, yeah, this works. This is amazing. I'm getting growth. I'm getting success. Like, I'm getting better. I'm getting momentum. And then all of a sudden, for some reason, you stop doing the thing that works. Right? Have you read The Big Leap? Like that's like the no, whole I've heard of it there. though. I'm going to write it down though and put it in the show. You need to read that book. It is exactly, it talks about our upper limit, you know, and how, how to get past that. And, and I, I used to be the queen of doing something and having it work and then for some reason not allowing myself to get to my full potential and just taking a few steps back subconsciously, yes. stopping doing what works just to get back down to normal, right? Because like we said, our ego wants us to be safe. And as long as we are at normal, we feel safe. But once we start getting successful, that, that gets scary. Holy shit, there's a lot of things yes. that can come, right? From success that is like uncomfortable that we don't want to deal with. So we subconsciously stop ourselves from getting up here and we bring ourselves back down here. So what I ask myself when I feel myself wanting to self-sabotage, which it happens a lot, I feel it coming like oh I know yesterday I like I didn't do the dance party before that podcast yesterday and it wasn't as good as it could have been or I didn't meditate yesterday why did I not do that I pause and instead of I usually think okay why didn't I do that oh well if it gets too good for me it's like if it gets too good something bad's gonna happen 
or the other shoe is going to drop. This thought of like, when's the other shoe going to drop? Too many good things have happened, right? Nothing, like it can't get that good. That's a lie we tell ourselves for some crazy reason. Someone made that up that if it gets too good, something bad's going to happen. But what if we asked ourselves, how much better can it get? Instead of when's the other shoe going to drop? Wait, how much better can it get? How much more can I press on the gas pedal and really receive? Ask yourself how much more, oh my God, but it could get even better. There is space for it to continue to get better. And then to each new level, I ask myself, okay, how much better can it get? Can it get better than this? It can get better. And then you get to the next spot. How much better? How much better? And just keep asking yourself that instead of thinking, oh, when's the bad thing going to happen? Yeah. And it's, I used to do that with alcohol Mm. a lot. Because I used to, I think a lot of people do this too. It's like you feel good all week and then it's like, let's reward ourselves and just like get just wasted and then have to dig ourselves out of this hole. I used to do this self-sabotage all the time because I was in the bar industry for a long time. I'd be like, good. And I'm like, well, let's just, let's just go to, let's just punish ourselves with booze. And then I'd be like, why do I do that? When I know that it hurts me and that can be with food that can be with like with a lot of different things yeah it's i don't understand why we're programmed like that it's it's crazy how we 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 we're afraid to be our best like it's some sort of i don't know some sort of programming internally in our subconscious where it's like oh i'm here now so i better knock myself off and it's like yeah. why why are we like that it doesn't it doesn't i don't understand it and i i think as well too it's really looking at, because the good and the bad is all a made up perception too. Because like it's perspective. It's like sometimes the bad, like what's happened in the world, like everybody says it's bad, but sometimes the bad is actually what's made change happen is actually the good in hindsight. Not to say that this is, I, I have to always say, like I'm not saying it's good what's happened, but there's times when there's a situation that may seem as bad or challenging, but it's actually going to be the thing that helps you grow. So really it's like, what is bad and what is good? Getting on this roll and feeling great is amazing. But then, you know, if something comes at you, it's like, all right, well, this is, this is probably going to make me better anyways, but it's looking at it like that, right? It's all perspective. We get to decide if we live in a good world or a bad world every single day we wake up. It doesn't matter what situation you are in. We get to decide if it's good or if it's bad, if it's happening for us or if it's happening to us. Mm. So even with people are getting sick, like this is not a cool thing. This is not good, right? It is, it is not. But if we wake up and we ask ourselves or tell ourselves, I get to choose how I look at this today. I get to choose how I show up today. I get to decide if I live in a good world or if I live in the bad world. And I get to decide if this is happening for me or if this is happening to me. And if we can just take that perspective and turn it on its head in our own world and make it into a positive, whatever it is, because I guarantee you that every single hard time in your life, you can look back now and say, oh, I'm glad that happened. That needed to happen. Every single hard time. Yeah. It could have been the hardest, most shittiest thing that's ever happened in your life. And that's why your podcast is called the University of Adversity, because you're probably grateful for every adversity in your life because it's made you who you are today. Mm. So if we can remember that in the moment of the bad times and know, okay, one day I'm going to look at this and I'm going to find the good. So what if I found the good right now? Yeah. Yeah. It's so true. And it it really is. It's, and also, you know, I think about it to people and they go, oh, I'm not getting the success. And I think about it in my own life, but then I go, well, how would I teach anybody if I just got it all right the first time? You know, even let's for for an example, like a podcast journey or being an entrepreneur or whatever, like you have to, you have to hit these bumps in order to be able to look back and help somebody because somebody else is going to go through that. It's, it's useless if everything is easy for us. It's useless if like, oh yeah, well I did it easily. I made a million dollars in a day. That was it. I, I, I didn't have to do any work. I grew the podcast. I like, there has to be some sort of resistance that we feel so that we can learn and then teach people because we can, that's the way we teach. We have to go through stuff, right? And in the, in the moment, yeah, it's hard. Like nobody loves a situation that we were like, oh shit, this really sucks. But 
I guess the more it happens and when, like you said, happening for you instead of to you, which is basically being empowerment versus victim, it's like that's when the world changes. That's when everything you see changes because then it's almost like you get excited for it because you're like, all right, well, I get a chance to grow. And I know some people will be like, oh, that's cheesy to think like that or whatever, but that's the reality. That's the reality you have to look at life as. You have yeah. to be like, this is the chance to get better. Or, I mean, if things are so easy and you can't learn, then you're not going to be able to teach. And, and most likely your business, how are you ever going to be able to show how you got from here to there, right? Hell yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> and when you talk about also being a more confident person. So confidence comes from the ability to feel discomfort and get to the other side. That's where it comes from. That's how you become more confident. So I mean, I teach confidence a lot and I'm like, sorry, you, you got to put yourself in, in places where you just feel incredibly uncomfortable and get to the other side. Because when you do that, you teach yourself, you teach your subconscious brain, oh, that sucked. It hurt. It was bad. But I got to the other side. I can do it next time. And then next time you go to take action, you're not as scared, aka you're more confident because you experience that. But without the experience, without actually experiencing the discomfort and getting to the other side, you can't train your brain what you need to train it in order to be more empowered the next time because you never went there. You don't even know. You have no clue if you can get through it. Mm. So you have to be willing to feel the discomfort. You have to sit in the suck sometimes. You have to embrace the pain. My personal trainer always tells me, like he's like, lean into the pain, feel the pain, <laughs> embrace the pain. Uh, and, and it's such an analogy for life though. Totally. The more you can embrace the pain, the more confident you become that you can do anything, mm. anything. Yeah. It's those, the hardest workouts that end up being the biggest reward too. Oh yeah. <laughs> you're like ready to puke. You're like, fucking hate you. Stop pushing me this hard. And you're like, I love you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I want to circle back to kind of like your interesting background. So you, st and this is really interesting because I'm sure that you developed a lot of the skills that you have today from what you did in the past. You know, I was a former hockey player, an athlete. So now I look back in hindsight and I realize a lot of the things that I've learned came from that. So I want to kind of circle back to when you were younger in Broadway and, and living in that world. First of all, like what was that like? Walk us through that. and. How old were you when that started? And yeah, kind of explain to us kind of the mindset that you had to have as a kid going through that stuff. So I've been a performer since I literally could walk and talk. I was singing and dancing on tables and I was a child actor and I was just, that was, it was ingrained in me. And, and I think if there's anybody listening that is a performer, actor, singer, dancer, creative, like it's in you. And if you don't do it, it's like something's missing. Um, but when I got into the professional space, really professional space. Like when I was in New York city and I was auditioning, it was, it was always, this is the feeling always waiting for someone to pick me. Mm. So I was constantly walking into a room saying, am I good enough? Am I pretty enough? Am I, am I tall enough? Am I smart enough? Does my voice sound right? Like, am I good enough? Do you like me? Will you pick me? And doing that four or five times a day to different people. Please like me. Do you like me? Waiting for someone to choose me. So I spent the majority of my life putting the power in other people's hands. And I think a big reason why I do what I do now and why I love what I do now is because I still get to perform, aka I get to speak on stages and, and throw events and things like that. But I get to choose myself. I get to choose right? I get to choose how it happens and I get to do it on my own terms and not have to wait for somebody to pick me. But I, I did learn the greatest lesson of my life during that time when I was in, especially wedding singer, the Broadway national tour that I did. Um, and that's the lesson that I bring with me to absolutely everything. And just in, to tell the story in maybe a shorter condensed way, when I was in school, I went and I saw the show, The Wedding Singer on Broadway. And when I saw the show, I saw this one role, this the, this role, the role of Linda, which is the bitch that leaves him at the altar. I don't know if you've seen the movie, The Wedding Singer. Seen the with movie. It's amazing. Yeah, yeah. You know, Linda the bitch? Yeah. Okay. So in the show, she's this hilarious character. She has two huge songs. And I watched the show and God came down and said to me, you need to play that role. 
I was like in school. There was no way for me to play the role. There was no audition. There was no nothing. I was just like, I need to, this is, this is my role. I want to play it. I looked at my friend I'm sitting next to me. I said, I'm going to play that role one day. And he's like, okay. We're like in the audience, you know, there's no possible way for me to do that. And, um, I, I actually, at the time, my mom had given me the book, The Secret, and I started learning about this thing called the law of attraction. And I was kind of like, this is woo-woo bullshit. Like, I don't really believe it, but God, if it works for Oprah, because then I heard Oprah talking about how she manifested her role in the color purple using the law of attraction. And I was like, all right, maybe there's something here. Maybe I believe it a little. So let me try a little bit. And so I did like an experiment. I was like, I'm going to manifest this role of Linda in the Broadway show, The Wedding Singer. And for, I would say, about a year, this process was going on where I was, I had like a vision board. I would um, visualize myself to sleep by visualizing myself in the costume and performing on the stage and seeing the audience and hearing and, and I would sing the songs in my sleep and then in school in musical theater school I would perform all of her songs and I would envision while I was performing them for like my teachers that I was performing them on Broadway or I was rehearsing for the Broadway show and I had tricked my mind to believe that this was my part like I had done it already in my mind a million times I like made that fake memory in my mind and what that does and what I've learned that it does over time from using this tactic and this tool to create things is it doesn't magically make the things happen, but what it does do is it makes the fear of getting that thing a lot less. So you're able to take action a lot easier. So when my first audition came and I got to the final two and I didn't get it, instead of saying, oh, I suck, I'm never auditioning ever again, and clearly I, they're not good enough. I was like, oh, no big deal. That is just not right now. I'm going to keep going. And then when I kept auditioning and kept auditioning and snuck into a different audition and like did absolutely everything that I could. And then I got the understudy and not the whole, not the role. I could have been like, God, yeah. forget it. You know, and like after years of trying to make this happen, I could have just not, but I made that visualization in my mind so clear that this was going to happen no matter what I kept going and I kept going and I kept going. And then when I played the role for the first time, I ended up getting the role on the stage in the same costume that Felicia Finley, the actress that I watched the same costume that she wore on Broadway. I was wearing it for my performance and the visual that I saw of the stage and the audience and the lights was the exact same visual that I had been dreaming in my mind years ago in my little <laughs> bed in musical theater school. When, when that moment, I have goosebumps right now. I do have goosebumps too. I was just going to say, I didn't want to cut you off, but yeah. It's okay. <laughs> but when, when that happened, I walked backstage and I collapsed on the floor and I was like, this is real. Anything that I want, I can create with my mind. Yeah. I can, because I did. It was insane. So... As hard as being an actress was, and it was hard, and it's not that lifestyle is not something that I, I think I would want to do again. I'm just going to do it my own way. That lesson and that experience has completely changed my life forever. Mm. Wow. You know, oh, I'm so glad you told that story because that concept is so misunderstood, the law of attraction. Like I had Jack Canfield on. I said, look, you got to ex explain this to people because they're getting it wrong. Like people are, and he explained it. And you're, I love how you, because people think I'm going to wish for a car and get a car. I'm just going to like, I'm just going to think of something and it's going to happen. But like you actually have to embody the stuff. You have to be doing the things that you would be doing in that moment, right? Like you, you have to, pretend like it's already happened essentially, right? Like you're, you have to act and feel and do the things that you would be doing if you were that person already. But yeah. that there, there is an action that has to happen in the law of attraction too, that I think people forget, right? Like you have to, there's actual stuff that you have to do and think, and it's not easy, right? You have to continually go and revisit that, right? Like how many times did you revisit that in your mind? Like it wasn't a one-time thing, right? every single day and yeah. not only did i visualize you can visualize all day long if you don't take action nothing's gonna happen but yeah. the action piece the piece that's missing like you got to do the scary thing and yeah. the only thing that the visualizing does is it makes the scary thing less scary and it makes the opportunities more prevalent 
So when the opportunity presents itself, it's like, oh, there it is. Like there's like green, like neon lights pointing at it. And you'll go that way instead of if you weren't doing the visualizations, maybe you would take another path, right? And you wouldn't get to that thing. So you have to take action, yes, in being what you want to attract. So you have to completely embody it. I do a future gratitude list every single day of my life where um, I, I say that I'm grateful for things that haven't happened yet as if they've happened. So I experience them as if they are happening to me. Like, even if it's so something so small, like I'm so grateful that I had the most amazing podcast recording with Lance. It was incredible. We were in flow. We had the best conversation ever and it didn't happen yet. But because I visualized that and I felt gratitude in my heart, like it happened already. I'm going to be more confident coming onto this podcast with you that it's going to rock because I already experienced gratitude. So it's doing little things like that, that just make the action steps, which is the most important part, easier. Yeah. That's, yeah, gratitude. And again, another thing that I, I've started to do as well is like I had the book, The Magic. And the book, The Magic by Rhonda Byrne. So I was very against that stuff because I thought it was all cheesy bullshit until I started to do, The Magic is like all about a 28-day gratitude practice. And I started to do that and my life changed. I started to become grateful for everything. And I didn't mean, like, it was like I started to notice things just changing and I had no idea why. Like I would just... I don't, it's so hard to explain, but I mean, even if you get into like Dr. Joe Dispenza and you get into Bruce Lipton, that does something to your state, your, 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 your brain, you actually change your state. And that sense of gratitude is like the highest level of vibration and things just happen. And gratitude is such a profound thing. And I'm glad you talked about the future gratitude because I started changing it up too. like five things I'm grateful for now and why, and five things I'm grateful for in the future. And that is powerful. I've heard a lot of people have success with that. Yeah. And you have to put yourself in that future, future place and really feel what it likes because you can think about all you want, but it's the emotion and it's the, what is, what does Dr. Joe Dispenza say? It's like, it's the future thought with elevated emotion or something. Or it's like the, having that projection or that thought and then like getting really clear and really feeling it. That's what makes it come into reality. And it's like you've seen it before already, right? So when it comes, it's not like a shock. It's like, oh, yeah, well, I've already seen this, right? Like yeah, it's, it's easy. It, it's amazing how this stuff works. But a lot of people just don't get it right. They think of it as woo-woo, yet they aren't willing to really try it out. Well, what we tell people is you don't really have to believe in anything 100% because we're humans. I don't think anybody believes in anything 100% to be completely honest. I know I don't like anything 100%, but you just have to believe a little bit more than you don't like 51%. If you can believe in something 51%, that'll get you to that first tiny action step. And once you take that first tiny action step and you get a little win, that's going to kick off some chemicals in your brain like serotonin and dopamine and all of those good feeling hormones. And then you'll be like, hmm, that worked. Maybe I could believe 52%. And then I'll take another little action and then another. So we only say like, if you want to start trying something, you want to get in the media or you want to start playing with the law of attraction or whatever, you don't got to believe 100%. Please, I don't. Believe a little, tiny bit. Get to that first little baby try. Dip your toe in the water. And then when you get a win, oh, I got a win. That feels good. Celebrate that win. And that will get you to the next step. And then that next step will get you to a bigger win. And that bigger win will get you to the next step. And then you create momentum. That's how that works. Then you create motivation, right? You don't, the motivation fairy doesn't tap you on the head magically one day and say, oh, you're motivated. No, you get motivated by winning. So in order to win, you got to take action. And in order to take action, you just have to believe a little bit more than you don't. I love that. How, how did you, I'm still like, I really want to look at your, like unpack how, how things have changed over the years as well. Because I'm looking at how you were, you were a, a host, you were interviewing rock stars. And that was a different era, right? As far as like how things were done. I mean, there wasn't, what year was that? Just for perspective, it was probably, was it pre-social media or was it? 
social media was there, but it like, like there was Twitter and there was Facebook, oh, still barely, see. barely Instagram. Right. Barely. So around 2006, seven, eight-ish? Yeah, it was just starting. So, okay, this is interesting. So how was that going from there? And then how did you, how was the adapt, the adaptation to like getting into how you got into, like, how did you meet Chris? Like, how did this all come together? Well, this all came together the same way the wedding singer came together from Mm. visualizing and manifesting. Um, But I guess how would I tell this? So when I was, I I had a big university of adversity, like adversity, like shit hit the fan. So the shift had to happen in my life. Um, When, so I was doing my TV show and I was, I was dating this guy who I thought I was going to marry and it was a terrible relationship. And on the outside, everything looked magical. It looked amazing. If you were to look at my social media at that time, you'd be like, oh my God, this girl, I'm FOMOing over her. She's amazing. She has it all together. Which is why I tell people don't ever compare yourself to people on social media because you never know what's going on behind closed doors. Because behind closed doors, I was in a miserable relationship. My boyfriend was cheating on me and I was stuck and I felt like I couldn't leave. I was in a severe depression. I was severely bulimic. I was doing this show where I was this heavy metal chick and I don't like heavy metal music. I mean, I loved my gig. I loved it. It was super fun, but it was so out of alignment. I felt like something's missing. Like I'm playing myself, but this isn't who I am. And that was how the world was consuming me as this like heavy metal rock and roll chick. And I was like, how am I going to find my place in this world if this is how I'm showing up? And I was really, really lost. And the universe came and kicked me in the butt to get me out of that because I couldn't do it myself. And so boyfriend broke up with me, said I'm cheating, like he found out he was cheating on me, kicked me out of our million dollar apartment in New York City, said, I don't care where you go, you have five days to get out of here, find somewhere else to go. My show got canceled that same week. So I found myself in a tiny little room in an apartment with six other actors with a window that faced a brick wall. No boyfriend, no job not a lot of money because I hadn't been saving and um, kind of like having to start over. And I remember looking out that brick wall and writing in my journal. This is the first time I started journaling ever. And I wrote down just a million times over and over and over again. One day I will know why this happened. One day I will know why this happened. One day I will know why this happened. I would just write it down over and over and like months would go by and I still didn't know why it happened. And I was like, why do I not know why? Why does this suck so bad? But I, I decided, I was like, if, if there's any chance to start over and do what I want to do and, and be who I am, it's now. And so I created a, a health and wellness company. I decided I wanted to be a personal trainer and I wanted to help people um, lose weight. I wanted to help people with their mindset because I knew all about the law of attraction and manifesting from you know what I did with Wedding Singer. And then I also was really good at working out and body stuff because I was a dancer and an actor actress and that was always what I was passionate about but I knew nothing about business at all so uh, the only thing that I knew was I knew how to get mainstream media because that's what I had experienced in my entertainment life Um, and I I had some connections and relationships so I used the power of publicity and press and mainstream media to build a multi six-figure business in a couple of months and really like create something incredible. And I started coaching celebrities, CEOs, billionaires, some of the, some really, really, really famous people on, you know, losing weight and mindset and getting to be their best selves. Um, and everything was rocking and rolling and everything was doing amazing. Well, it was, it wasn't amazing. It was like, good. Mm. You know, when things are things, when things are good, they're not amazing. They're not bad. It can almost be like the worst. Cause I was like, there's something more, there's something that's, uh, that I'm missing. And I knew that one of those pieces was I was ready to fall in love and I knew it. I, and I, and I wanted it so badly. And then I, I remembered, this goes back to the conversation we were having earlier when things work, sometimes we just stop doing them. So that whole manifesting thing, it worked for me for wedding singer, but I had stopped doing it. I was not doing it anymore. And I was like, okay, you know what works? You know how I'm going to find a boyfriend? I'm going to manifest him. I'm going to bring out the old manifestation stuff that I used to do with wedding singer. And I'm going to full on do this with my person. And so I got super clear on, on who he was. And I decided that he was a six foot tall entrepreneur that lived on the Upper West Side of Manhattan and he had tattoos and he didn't drink alcohol and he had a child from a former marriage and he was divorced and he worked out at Equinox 
And I mean, all these deep, like I got really detailed and I would talk to this person that I created in my mind every day. And I would be like, Hey love, I can't wait to see you. I can't wait to meet you today. I can't wait till we become a power couple. And I knew that we were going to create a business together. And I knew that we were going to, um, we, like he was going to be in this personal development space and we were going to grow together and we were going to help people together and we were going to create something epic. I just felt it in my mind. And I would tell him that this imaginary human every single day. And what that did was every single bad date that I went on, it made it super clear that that was not the person. I'm like, Oh, you're not him. I talk to him every day. I know exactly who he is. It's not you. And everybody in my life, including my Jewish grandmother, especially her was saying, Jenny, you are too Picky, you're never going to meet that guy that's in your head. You're never going to meet him. He doesn't exist. You just have to settle. I'm like, no, I know this person exists. I created him. He's there. He's looking for me. And sure enough, um, through one day, I'll tell you the whole story of how we met, but I'll skip for time's sake. Um, I tell the story on my Instagram. You guys, if you want to know, go follow me on Instagram. Um, I met Chris. Six foot tall entrepreneur from the Upper West Side, beautiful 11-year-old daughter from a previous marriage, has a big tattoo on his back. Uh, he doesn't drink alcohol. He's been sober for nine years. The letters that I wrote to him that I now get to give to him and show him, and, and they're all relevant. So another amazing reminder. Like, that's amazing how that happens. I think it's the fact as well, like believing in that, that it'll happen. I mean, you're right. It's like, why do we stop doing this stuff that works? And and when manifesting somebody, it's like, I've heard about that. And I've thought about doing it too. Because I mean, I'm 37 years old. I'm still single. And I'm like, you know, it would be a good time, you know, soon. But I'm always like, I'll just let it kind of happen. But then I'm like, should I be more intentional with exactly what I want? So that, that's what I, I ask myself, right? And that intentional, being intentional and really getting clear and then just doing the things that are going to line up with that, I guess, is, is, is a way better way than just allowing it to just accidentally happen. But then can it happen that way anyways as well? <laughs> it, can. it can, but I was way more open yeah. to receiving it because I had been preparing myself. And I don't think I would have been open to receiving Chris if I hadn't done that work mm. because I was really closed off. I really was. I didn't know what I wanted. I didn't, I wasn't ready to bring someone in, but cause I had all that practice thinking about me and him and what we were going to do together and talking to him and experiencing him before he came into my life. The day that he came into my life, I was open and ready for him to come in. I've been waiting for you. Wow. So that's where it works. And I was way more open to doing things like the reason that we met was because I had gone, I was walking down the street one day and I used to work at this one gym ages ago and I had gotten fired because they found out that I was training people on the outside and creating my own business. So I had never gone back to that gym ever again. Mm. And uh, years later, Equinox purchased the gym. So technically I could go back. There was nobody there that worked there that fired me or anything. And I never went back. And I was walking down the street and suddenly like, I just got this massive feeling. I was like, I need to go back to that gym. Like there's mm. someone that I need to meet there. I just felt it. And because I knew I was actively intentional about meeting someone and I got that feeling like I need to meet someone there at, at that gym. I walked right in, gave them my credit card. It's a $300 a month membership. I was like, I don't care. Here it is. And started working out there. And within a couple of days, I bumped into my old boyfriend that I dated when I worked there ages ago. And he still worked there. And he introduced me to Chris Winfield. So when I say that the way that it works isn't, it doesn't magically happen. I wouldn't have taken action on that hit to go join that gym if I wasn't preparing myself to meet my person, right? I wouldn't have probably been open to talking to my ex-boyfriend at the gym and telling him what I was up to and everything like that if I wasn't completely and totally confident in who I was and that I was going to find somebody. That's such a great so, valuable lesson. Like. Yeah. Thank you for telling us that story. Like that, that's very valuable for people. Like that is, that is what people need to know, especially, I mean, if you want, if you really want something, you got to, that, that intention has to be there. You really have to. And I think that is just such a good lesson for all of us, including myself. I'm like, shit, it's like, you need to be more intentional with this stuff. Like lights are going off like crazy. Just a little bit. Just 51%. 
So you guys started this company. You guys are doing well. You got great personalities. Talk about PR. So I wanted to ask you, like, what is good PR versus bad PR? Because I see a lot of people getting featured and things and like a lot of like, there's a lot of stuff happening on social media. What's real, what's not, you know, what, walk us through that. What is good PR versus bad PR? I don't think that there's anything that's bad PR if it's getting you visible to the people that you can help. Okay. I mean, unless it's saying that, you know, you did something that you didn't do or it's negative about you. Mm. If you, I truly believe that if you have a product or a service or an experience that can help other people, mm. it is your responsibility to make yourself visible in every way possible to those people that you can help. Because every day that goes by that you don't, those people that need your help are going to go follow someone else or pay someone else or listen to someone else that isn't as good as you and doesn't care as much as you simply because they cannot find you. So it's your responsibility to make sure that you are visible to all of those people that you can help or you're not giving them the opportunity to receive your help. So do I believe that there's bad PR? Sure. If someone is saying you're a bad person or they're, you know, say convicting you of doing something that you didn't do, great. We don't want that. But getting your name out there, even if it's using old stories of like, like me talking about something that has nothing to do with what I do now, like wedding singer or VH1 or things like that. Like people think, Oh, I can't talk about what I used to do if it doesn't go along with what I do now. That's bullshit. Any kind of story that will make people be able to relate to you and find you and hear what you have to say and get your help. Please be yeah. visible. It doesn't have to be perfect. What about, so paying for like publications and stuff like that, like versus, versus like getting recognized because like there's, you know, there's a lot of misconceptions out there. And I guess whatever, if you're coming from a place of love and you're coming from a place, like you said, you want to get your message out there to people. And that's the objective. Like you want to help as many people. So you need to be out there. But I guess what I'm trying to figure out is like being authentic versus not, you know, like what is, what do you see out there? And like, maybe um, like, what are your thoughts on that whole thing? Because there's always PR agencies pitching me. Oh, you want to get featured featured? I'm like, no, I don't. I don't want to get featured on these things. Those aren't PR agencies. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. that's pay to play. So that exists. There's a pay to play world where you can pay money to get in a publication. We don't do that at super connector media because that's short game shit, right? Yeah. Like you pay, you get in the article, that's the end. What yeah. we're trying to do at Super Connector Media is actually create impact. Mm. And in order to create impact, you need to create momentum. And, and we actually, when we're representing clients, like our high level clients, we only work with people for a 12 month uh, contract because we actually want to help them create goals, like create, reach their goals and their business objectives. And if we're just getting a media hit to get a media hit, that doesn't do anything. We're actually strategic strategically getting media hits where someone is going to talk about something very specific and timely in the news that's going to lead to another article where they can speak about something really specific and timely and help people that's going to lead to something else and we actually build and we actually have a strategy and a roadmap when you're just buying let's say you pay two thousand dollars to be featured in entrepreneur okay awesome you're in entrepreneur and then it goes away and maybe you leverage it a couple of times but you don't create a relationship with the writer with the editor you don't you know there's a lot of the times people can tell that it's pay to play. I can always tell. Uh, so, and that kind of just, you know, diminishes your brand a little bit. So I would always say, do it long game, going the extra mile. The extra mile is never crowded ever. It's never crowded. People always want the easy way out. If you can go the extra mile and actually write a pitch and actually create a relationship with a producer or an editor or a writer or a journalist and do something amazing for them and create something really incredible and create a segment that was really powerful and came from your heart, that is going to be so much more powerful to you. It's going to be so much more powerful to the person watching, reading, listening. And it's going to be so much more powerful to the journalist or editor or writer that's working on creating that piece as well. And then you guys are going to collaborate again. And then that's going to create an entire momentum track for your PR and your media. And it's actually going to help your business instead of just being spaghetti that you throw at the wall. That's how I feel about pay to play. 
Yeah, I, I like that because this is such valuable information because there's a, there's a lot of people don't know. People, people don't know like the steps, like what's good, what's bad. And as far as, yeah, I mean, it's being authentic as possible. So how does, how does somebody leverage TV? So how does somebody even like entrepreneurs, podcasters like myself or anybody that's like, they like the idea. They're like, wow, TV, how does that work? Like, how does yeah. that even fit into everything? Yeah, it's no better time than now to be on TV. Everyone's sitting around watching TV. That's why we, we, we be on TV bootcamp. Everybody that's listening, I'm just going to full on pitch this because I think it's Perfect. completely valuable for everybody that's listening, including you. Mm-hmm. Lance, sign up for our be on TV bootcamp the next one, December 7th. We okay. teach you everything that you need to know to be able to book TV in five days. So good, so powerful. TV, oh my God. So I was doing an uh, interview with Dave Meltzer. Do you know David Meltzer? Uh, yes. I actually want to get him on the show. He's supposed to be I, an awesome dude. Phenomenal. Um, one of my dear friends. And we were having a conversation and we were talking about TV. And he's like, I am doubling down on TV. He's like, you want to know why? All these millennials, they don't think TV is powerful. He's like, more money watches TV. It's true. More money watches TV. That is where the majority of the people with the money are. They are watching TV. I'm so, maybe they're on TikTok, maybe they're on Instagram, but really they're getting their news and they're finding their experts and they're finding their mentors from the people that are delivering information on television, especially right now. And you can be on TV from anywhere in your pajama bottoms now because you zoom in for TV interviews. So it couldn't be more easy. It is, TV is the best. So join my be on TV bootcamp and I'll teach you how to get on TV. Well, 100%, I'm going to join, 100%. We'll have that in the show notes too because I think that's awesome. I just, I'm just trying to maybe just walk us through like what that looks like for somebody. So does that somebody go on like a talk show or does somebody, and then they create a segment for that? Like, what does that look like? Let's yeah. say for a podcaster listening, there's lots of podcasters out there and they're growing and growing, right? I have a production company. We produce podcasts for businesses. Say they want to get on TV. Like, how would that even work as far as, creating that for them and getting that opportunity for them? Would we, would it kind of create from their story or talk about their business in a talk show format? Like how would that work? There's a lot of different ways you can get on TV. Um, Like if you're talking about being an expert on a segment for let's say CNN or CNBC or your local news station, um, we like you, we like to teach from relationships so we would say to find a low-hanging fruit, find a relationship, somebody that you know that is connected to somebody in the media, and then write a pitch. And we teach you how to write pitches in the Beyond TV Bootcamp. Uh, a timely pitch, something that is timely going on in the news right now and tying your expertise in. And then they would ask you to be an expert and do like a, you know, a segment, a segment on your local news station, a segment on a national news segment. I and mean, we've had people from our Beyond TV Bootcamp get national placements from CNN to Home and Family to CNBC to uh, any local news station that you can even imagine. Um, we had somebody on Good Morning America. We've had, it's, it's really amazing. So any kind of thing like that where you're just like, where you're an expert commenting on something that's happening in the news or getting a full-on feature on, you know, a Facebook watch, that's TV. Or on someone like David Meltzer's Instagram live, that's TV right? You're being featured in front of a lot of different people. We consider all of that type of stuff television, but really we'll really zone in on that national and local news placements to just get more eyeballs on you. And then what we really say is like 20% of the value of TV is the actual segment. 80% is what you do with it after, Mm. right? So you could have that segment and it airs for what, six minutes, Maybe some people see it. Maybe some people call you because they saw you on TV. That's amazing. But really, the magic happens when you take that six-minute segment and you leverage the shit out of it. And you put that all over your social media. You put that in your Facebook ads. You put that in your blogs. You put that in your emails to your customers. You forward that over all to, to your email list of all the people that have ever paid you. And you write a story all about it. And they see that the person that they hired was on TV. Holy crap. That gives you credibility and authority that you've never had before where people are like, Oh, I guess he is the expert. That's it. Take my money. Take my money. (laughs) This is awesome. I love this. This is so good. So many people are looking for a strategy, right? And this isn't something that I've really explored yet either. And it's, it's great. And I think that um, for all the entrepreneurs out there and people that 
everybody's really good at something, you know, and I feel like to be able to have that opportunity to be an expert in your field and to really dial in on, on TV is awesome. So that's awesome that you're, you're, you're doing that. So be, where else can everybody check you out? Be on TV bootcamp. What other places are good places to learn more about you and Chris and what you guys are up to? Be on TV bootcamp.com. Yeah. Hopefully this will air before December 7th. Cause that's oh. when it starts. Yes. Um, Instagram. I'm always on Instagram at Jen with one N underscore Gottlieb. And you can also find us at superconnectormedia.com. Beautiful. That's awesome. And I highly encourage everybody to check that out. I'm going to do it myself. And thank you so much for coming on. This was awesome. So good to connect with you. you, Lance, too. Thank you. My pleasure. And I just end with one final question. And it is always, out of all the challenges, adversity, struggles you've been through, what is one lesson that adversity has taught you? It's always for good. So meaning that light comes through the wound, Oprah would say light comes through the wound. So no matter what you're dealing with, it could be the hardest thing in the entire world. I know for a fact, because it's always happened, I will always look back at that time and be grateful that that thing happened, no matter how hard it was. (laughs) Thank you so much, Jen. So appreciate this so much. Thanks everybody. Thanks everybody. Go join the five day beyond TV bootcamp. It's exciting. If you want to get on TV, if you're an entrepreneur, chances are you're trying to grow your business. Find out. Go check it out. Follow Jen. Um, follow her partner, Chris Winfield, as well. Great dude. I want to get him on the show also. And yeah, you guys heard it. Learn how to do. You can manifest the life that you want. If you believe it, you do the right things. Embrace adversity. Embrace the fear. It's going to be the thing that gets you to the next level. And utilize whatever you can to get yourself media, um, to do what you can. Start a podcast, start a YouTube channel, do whatever you can. Get on, uh, get on TV. All that stuff is going to help you. And we all want to get to the top of our industry. We want to be authorities. So take advantage of this, you guys. Let me know if you got value from this. Please leave a review on Apple. Share it with a friend. Subscribe if you can on all channels. I know I ask a lot. I ask a lot. I know. (laughs) It's much appreciated, everybody. Most importantly, I love you and we will catch you next time.